Hello and welcome to the Donut Hour episode 6. Today I have a chat with Dr. Kevin Butterfield who is the founder of Brain Forest, which is a facility that enhances your brain. It helps your noggin function at its peak performance, which if you've been listening to my podcast you know I need to take advantage of immediately. So Kevin is also the founder and CEO of Wellness Racing that designs safety equipment for the inevitable high impact crashes that are unfortunately a result of racing. So this is a fascinating podcast. Kevin mentioned to me later that he didn't uh, that he that he did most of the talking, but sometimes the best thing you can do is just shut up and listen, and that's what I try to do. He had so much valuable information, and I was just taking it all in. You know, you know, I joke about not being very bright, but when I spoke with Kevin, I thought to myself, "All right, this dude uh, functions on a way higher level than me." You ever watch Jeopardy? And one contestant will have like $20,000, and then another contestant will have like $17,000, and then the third contestant will have $5. Well, I'm the dude with five bucks. I don't know how I got here, but I'm happy as hell to be here. So Kevin's a great dude, and I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. So here is my buddy, Dr. Kevin Butterfield. I'm sitting here with Dr. Kevin Butterfield, who is the founder and CEO of Brain Forest, and I find this fascinating. So to our listeners, what, what is Brain Forest? Um, well, Brain Forest is a place where you can actually address problems that are in the brain, okay. um, specifically. Um, the current route that you can do out there to address things like ADD or learning disability, stress, depression, anxiety, is either you're going to talk about it or you're going to medicate it. Sure. Um, which is, is okay, I guess. But, I mean, there, there are other things that are more specifically where you can actually hone into areas of the brain where the problem is and train that to, re- I guess you can say, reset the timing of your brain. Okay. Your brain's off. I mean, your car's still going to run, but it's going to run like crap. Right. right. So this technology is not new. It's been around since the 60s. Um, NASA uses it. This is the first line of approach that they use in Europe if you have any kind of mental health problem. Right. They'll use this. They'll try to reset the timing of the brain. It's not shock therapy at all. Okay. It's done with sound. Um, it's specific frequencies that you have to set the sound to go off at. But if it doesn't, if this approach doesn't work first over there, then they talk about it. And if that doesn't work, they medicate it. Okay. And America's backwards. Let's medicate it first and right. cloud up the water so you can't right. uh, see what's going on there. Why is that? Why, why, why do they just tend to medicate first? Is it because it- uh, it's, there's a lot of money in it. I mean, yeah. let's, let's just put it that way. There's, you know, 80, 86% of all the prescription drugs that are written in the world are, ma- are written in the United States. Mm. And it's just a big, you know, there's always a pill, potion, a lotion to cover something up. Yeah. Let's not cover it up. Why don't we just what's causing it in the first place so you don't have anything to cover up that's our approach <clears throat> and julie cloud and i who's my partner in this mm-hmm. um we started this three years ago <clears throat> we had a long talk that there was um something missing you know i mean if if the medications and all the talk therapy and everything else has been working the numbers would be going down showing that it is working but they're actually going up which shows us that it's not working so there is a you cannot get 10 doctors to say what's causing uh, spectrum disorders, what's causing this uh, malady in the brain or that one. But you can get all 10 doctors probably to say that, hey, 
their brain waves are messed up for some reason, and there's a problem with the food. Food's not food anymore. Mm, um, yeah. So we want to be that, fill that space where we can address not only the gut, because that's, that's a huge thing too. I mean, people, if, if you research leaky gut, you'll see what that's all about. That doesn't mean leaky butt. Um, that means you're not going to have <laughs> diarrhea. But <clears throat> what, what it does is, is everything you take in and ingest food-wise, it, it leaks out. All right. It does not. I mean, inside your body, they say the gut is the second brain, which it is because 30 or so neurotransmitters that your brain uses are actually manufactured in your gut. So if you don't address that, you're sending up bad neurotransmitters to your brain to work. Yeah, this podcast is called the Donut Hour, and I consume a lot of. Donuts. There you go. So see? It's a little conflicting here. How how did you get to this point to get to the brain forest? Because I mean, I mean, let's start with what it, how. How did you get your doctorate at first, and then how did you transition? Well, this? I was uh, uh, my dad. Well, let's back take it way back to the beginning. My okay. dad, my dad was a brain surgeon. Okay. So he was the the doctor for the Detroit Tigers. So I went to every oh, home wow. game with him. Wow. Um, but we never got to see a home game because he always got called in to do surgery at the hospital. Yeah. So he put me in the observation booth, and I saw like him working. On uh, I saw a lot of as lo- a kid. Yeah. So I, I saw a bunch of live brain surgeries from the age of six to eight. Wow. So I was always fascinated about that. And I wanted to go his route to be a brain surgeon, but he said, no, you don't want to do that because you have to cut through a lot of the good to get to the bad, and when you come out, it's all bad. Mm-hmm. Do something the natural way. So I went to be a chiropractor, and I did that for 20-some years, and I, and I loved it. But when I was treating the parents, their kid would always be in the room with us, and I'd always stare at the kid, and they'd be like, have like a glass-eyed look about them because mm. they were on so many pills for the, their learning disabilities mm. or their behavior or yeah. whatever. So I wanted to go help those kids. You know, every time I was uh, adjusting, I always wanted to go that route. Um, and I actually wanted to call this place, um, I know you're in there, because I wanted to go get that, yeah. pull them out of there for yeah. the kids, you know what I mean, to give them a better life. Sure. And, and the, the more I researched, the more I studied it, the more the problems there were from if you're taking some medication for, uh, again, this is not an endorsement to stop anything you're doing now, just keep doing it, right? So if, if you're on the learning disability medications and then you get to a point in your life where you're off the insurance, you're off whatever, then you have to feed that feeling in your brain somehow. And that's where you usually slide into the illicit drug things and then that'll get you in trouble, that'll get you incarcerated. And that snowballs. That's why we want to address the younger kids. The younger you can get them, the better. What's the youngest that you've had? Three. Wow, three. Three, Yeah. So they had um, dyspraxia where they didn't know what numbers were or letters were. And for whatever reason, I mean, you show them a number three on an UNO card, and then you put it on a table with all the other UNO cards, and the mom would say, go find number three, and he couldn't do it. He didn't know what numbers were. Wow. So... After the fourth session, now he would draw numbers and say, Mom, look at my number eight, look at my number six. So that was like a total game changer for that family. I yeah, mean, so he's, I he's still okay now. So is that then something, and then uh, just forgive my ignorance on this, but is that something that they eventually grow out of in some cases? Once or? you reset the timing of the brain and whatever sets it off, sets it off. You know, um, we can have a long talk when they come in here and, and figure out what caused the timing to get off in the brain, whether it be some kind of medication, whether it be a concussion, whether, whatever it is. But here, the unique thing about here is you can come in here and not even talk. You don't have to talk. I'll listen to your story if you want to tell me. I don't have to hear it. But 
<clears throat> everybody's brain has the ability to be a top performing brain. Once you reset all the timing, once you get them unstuck in the fight or flight mode, if that's where they're at, or the rest and relax, you can yeah. change all that. Yeah. And that, is, that can go with any age, and that can come or go, but you can Yeah, and we, we've, we've seen them up in their 90s, I mean, with Alzheimer's and dementia mm -hmm. and cognitive decline. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it, per se. But, I mean, yes. if you keep training the brain and you keep it active in, in all the electronical pathways in the electronic... Not electronical. Yeah. Electronic pathways in the brain firing the way they should be. Now you're using it. So there's a lot of neuroplasticity, which helps the, the older population as well. Okay. What are, the, what are some of the, the, the techniques that then you would use to you know, kind of maintain that? Try to maintain. As far as you know, your oh. cognitive function or just or, or for treatment. That, say, give like, if you could give an example of how you're, you're treating, say, like a younger person that is... Uh, having some ADHD problems or something like that? I mean, I mean, what are some well, of the you, for The first thing we do is we do a brain map and we compare it to a normative database. There's normative databases in, in various colleges across the country, which is a, quote, normal brain, right? Okay. There's no such thing as a normal brain, so they give you on a scale plus two, minus two standard deviation. All right, let's look and see where your brain is. So we can tell what part of the brain, and we look at 6,800 areas of the brain. Wow. Boxes, and each one of those boxes... 6,800 of them, is nine distinct brainwave frequencies. So each box, each frequency is compared to a normal database. So we can see what areas of the brain have too much electrical activity, which would be signatures of and have a list of symptoms, right? Or parts of the brain that are underactive, we would know that too. We know where the, those areas congregate in the brain, and we can go in and change those. And with the neurofeedback, like I said, we do the deep brain neurofeedback, um, th there's four different kinds of neurofeedback and, and 85% of the people out there do what's called amplitude training, okay. which if you have a problem in a brainwave frequency, like right in, in your frontal lobe, let's say by your forehead, they'll put one sensor there and raise it or lower the frequency there, right? We don't do that because there's more effective ones. And the next one up would be what's called Z-score training, where we train your brain to a normal database, all 6,800 boxes, all at the same time. Right, so we don't do that because we said, okay, what if we're what if they're above normal? We're going to train them back to normal, so we just yeah. slowed them down a bit. Yeah. So we don't do that. We do it's called infra slow wave frequency training, um, where we that's the one we do with like the IndyCar drivers or all the professional race car drivers is we give them a optimum performing brain, um, to, you know, to fire on all cylinders, you know, with race gas and everything else so they're perfectly running brains so wow. we do that method and then we do a method above that um which is called uh s loretta uh slow wave frequency training which maybe there's 100 150 people in the world doing that now um because it's the latest greatest thing that comes out there it came out and it is also one that has been studied a lot to be effective so we're going to go with the most effective things sure. that are out there yeah. but the thing about this is it, it could take 20 to 40 sessions of doing this to training your brain to get to where it should be. Um, and once you are done with that, you're done. I mean, it's not something you got to keep doing. Uh -huh. You're just teaching the brain how to work at its best levels, how to work through stress, how to work through a lot of problems. And again, our, our goal was to do mostly pediatrics, the younger generation, because once you, if you get them young enough, they're going to be a lot better yeah, as yeah. teens, adults, and, yeah. and so on. So they'll have those set skills and exercises that they can do, obviously, to carry. Yeah, but then we had somebody come over to us and say, um, we know what this is, and we want you to do a before and after brain map after we send them through our drug program. 
with uh, it's the NAD drip bags and stuff like that. So we said, okay, we'll just pinch it and do the, the before and after brain maps and see how it looks. Um, but, of course, when they come in here, they say, what do you do? And I said, well, that's really not why you're here. You're here to get a, a, a before and after. But uh, you can't let them go. you got to say what you do. Because this has been very effective in closing the electronic gate of addiction. So that's why this is a big thing, you know. Doing one thing on itself may or may not work. The more things you do at the same time that have been shown to be results-driven that do work, do it. You know what I mean? So we started getting more people with addictions. Heroin. We've had alcoholics. We've had opioid stuff. Um, we had a lady that was um, very intelligent. She was on opioids for her lupus, right? And her doctor said, you're coming off these opioids because they're addictive. And she goes, okay. But if that electronic gate of addiction is open deep in your brain and you can see it on the maps, right? Wow. So she had to feed something through there all the time, that gate, to feel normal, to get through her day. Right, so she started um, huffing uh, computer duster spray cans yeah. at forty to sixty a day. Oh my god! And I said, well, first of all, how come your brain's not mush? And second of all, where do you get all these cans at? Yeah. So she went on a route around Indy to get all these cans. Was she just shoplifting them, or no? She buy them. She'd buy them. Yeah, like she was like working at an IT place or something. I can't remember what story she said, but today she's a year out she's Good. she's clean and sober and that's a hard one to get rid of i mean we have the same stories with the heroin addicts because if you can close the electronic gate what do you got to put through it in the first place mm-hmm. or from that point on so that's why it's very effective like that and we had a town in well it's marion they had a community uh, foundation come forward and say i'm going to give you all this money i want you to come up there and help us with our, our drug program our drug problem up there i said okay let's go so they cannot get people to get jobs because their tests are dirty all the time they right. take for drugs. So right. if we went up there, they will hire them with a dirty drug test, but they say they have to go into our program to do it. Sure. So that's, again, that's where we're going that way. Wow, that's incredible. So, I mean, it, backtracking a little bit, and I'm, I'm just thinking of it in terms of kind of this mental illness. Has this always been a problem because obviously you're talking about mental wellness and it's kind of the awareness of it and then you've got a tactic to uh, attack it and 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 reset the brain but has this always been an issue or is this something that is as a result of our environment caused by us because because this is it used to be a stigma or still is to to talk about it Uh, you kind of understand what i'm asking i mean has has this problem always been there or are we just now shedding more light on it and well i think you know i think with obviously the internet you can look up and research stuff yourself you know i mean there's a lot of new things coming along i mean there's new there's a new diagnosis every day yeah Uh, that means if you have a diagnosis well the the treatment solution for that is some kind of medication so but i mean i think it is it, it it has always been there yeah. Um, I'm th- that's another reason how this thing started was yeah. because I, I was a bully. I was a bully when I was in third grade. I mean, not a physical bully, but a mental bully. Um, and I, I wrote a story on my Facebook page about Andy Silverman as this kid, um, a good friend of mine, but I would always pick on him. He would not know I was picking on him cause he was different. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what diff- how different he was or he didn't know. Um, we didn't know what was wrong with him, but I would always pick on him. And I remember one day that um, the teacher asked us in third grade, 
who wants to go clean the erasers off down the hall? And I said, I did. And the teacher said, well, you can pick someone you want to take with you. Who do you want to pick? And I picked, you know, and he had his hand up saying, pick me, pick me. This kid thought I hung the moon for him, but he didn't know I was teasing the whole time. Right? Right. So I said, I'll pick Andy. So he walked out the door. I took the erasers right away, and I smacked them all over his head. So he walked in like he had. He was George Washington. He had white hair sure. from the chalk. So, yeah. But I was that kind of asshole. I mean, bully, right? So, um, And one day, the trampolines back in the day, they would bring, the trampolines were the new thing, and they would bring them to our gym. We could all jump on it, and then it'd go like the next day to another school or whatever. So... I remember that I would always take Andy's spot in line. I'd tell him to sit in the back of the gym. You wait till I'm done jumping on it. And I would jump, and everyone would jump. And every time we'd come around to get in line again, Andy would say, can I go now? Can I go now? And I would always say, no. I said, you stay there. That's pretty bad. I mean, it still affects me today. So I went the last time having a blast on the trampoline, and Andy said, can I go now? And I said, yes, you can go. So he started running towards the trampoline, and the bell rang. Class was over. I remember seeing him. I remember he's still with his uh, yellow shorts running to the to the thing. And this was in third grade. So the teachers were trying to catch him. He just wanted to touch the trampoline at least, but he couldn't get to it. So he came back crying, right? So from that point on, I said, if I can say no to a kid and make him cry just because he's different, I'm never going to do that again. And I never did. So from that point on, I was... Uh, all the kids that were different came to me in school. If they someone was picking on them, I'd go pick on them, being the other kind of bully. Sure. Like, leave him alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I changed my life at that point, right? So I wanted to make sure that when I had this place, that there was another, no other Andy Silverman out there that was going to have trouble from anybody. I wanted to help those kids get on the other, get on the fence with the normal kids. Right. You know, don't say it and look through the fence, right? So... I remember I thought about, and in third grade, we split. His family moved or I moved or something. We just lost all communication, right? So I wanted to get a hold of him again. I even wrote to Oprah, Dr. Phil. I said, I want to find Andy because I want to tell him, hey, first of all, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Second of all, thanks for making me who I am today, right? So I never heard anything back, and then I found him on Facebook, um, and, and I obviously, I reached out to him and said, give me your number. I want to call you. I want to talk to you. I got something to say to you. So he gave me his number. I called him. I just was rattling off, you know, hey, you know, Andy, I'm so sorry. Um, I think before I got to that point, Andy said, hey, I want you to help me get a girlfriend. I said, hey, okay, Andy, I'll help you get a girlfriend. You know, you got to get her flowers. You got to be nice and open the door for you. Gotta do so I was rattling all the stuff off about how to get a girlfriend. And this was, what, 40 years later. And after I said that, he goes, hey, um, what if she won't let me jump on the trampoline? Uh-huh. I said, oh, Andy, then she's the wrong one for you. Yeah. So, I mean, he, yeah. it affected him that long. Wow. That, but yeah. so we all had problems back then. Nobody knew what his problem was, but his problem is he had Asperger's. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have a diagnosis for it back then. It's just like, oh, your kid's a daydream or whatever you want to call it. There are differences in people, but now I guess everything's got a diagnosis. And I said, Andy... Um, I'm doing what I'm doing right now because of you. You know, I don't want anyone to go through uh, being bullied like that. I don't want anyone to have any trouble from anybody. You're no different than me. So I said, we're going to start a foundation with the Brain Forest Center, and we're going to call it Andy's Trampoline. So that's what we're going to do for him. You know, and I said, we're going to keep going on. We're going to help people even though after we're long gone. So that was another piece of why I'm here. Yeah. 
So oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. that story. You know, good for you and Andy. And, and yeah. Ah, oh, man. But yeah, back to the question. There, I think that there's always been some some things that are going on, but now we we're just too easy to throw something at it. Throw, let's throw a pill at it. Let's yeah. throw. I mean, the like the the like the, let's just say the Adderall, whatever. That's the only pill that they have out there that's based on what the parents said the, the kid's doing. Right. How's he doing? You know, if if the mom's got a short fuse, oh, he needs it up his dose. You know what I mean? The dad says he's he's mellow, then lower it. You know, so it's very confusing. But that changes the chemistry in your brain, the electronic firing of the brain. So then if you can't sleep, okay, well, let's add a sleeping pill with your Adderall. If you lose weight, well, let's add something that gains weight. So that, so by the time they're 10, they could be on 10 different medications. And that messes your brain up. Come off of them, you know. I mean, that's with all the, you know, the school shootings and all, all this other stuff. They were, or, you know, the suicide rates or whatever. I mean, they were always on some mind-altering drug. Adult strength mind-altering drug as a kid. You come off of it, or yo-yo parents that only put them on it during the week, take them off during the weekend, take them off during the summer. That really messes with them, the brains. So that's that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. So back it up farther. If you can get them young enough and change it so they don't need this medication, give them the best brain they have. Give them the best gut they have. They don't have any problems in the future. That's yeah. that's where we want to make a difference. Wow, that's amazing. The what. What advice would you have for someone who's been a, a little bit older that's afraid to ask for some sort of help or doesn't know how or they're afraid of the stigma that wants to get help? What advice would you have for that person to get them into a place like this? I mean, like I said, we have a list of symptoms that we help here. Mm -hmm. um, don't look at the symptom. I mean, you're just coming here to get peak performance training for your brain that's it and again whatever a diagnosis is associated with why you came in here should be gone it should alleviate uh, a lot of the symptoms that you have we don't diagnose when you get when you come in here a lot of the parents and people have been on a uh, uh, a merry-go-round of the medical route take this take that talk this you know whatever but i, I think that if you just want the best brain and gut and body you can have come on in I mean, we don't, again, it, we can talk about the diagnosis if you want to, but we don't have to because we know what to do to get your brain functioning at its best level. Right. Wow. Amazing. So it's as simple as that. So, so what then I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have a weird transition. Here. You go right this, ahead. This is, this is going to weird go, is good. Weird is good. And I'm, I'm just kind of, just, I'm just taking it all in here. You're also the uh, CEO of wellness racing and, well, you, and you talked about that you know you've, you've had uh, you know, drivers uh, and you've impacted them just to get their brain at their optimal level yeah and so what are some of the things that you're doing with with wellness racing to help the race well, well, well wellness racing is there's a lot of different pieces here wellness racing would be where the racing safety patents are that we have that formula one's been using for about five years now and IndyCar is using some of them now um, and we also have some brain health and uh, safety-related things, um, which that's all housed in the wellness racing stuff. Okay. Um, Are there any examples that you can talk about? Because I, I don't know if you're if, if you can or not. Well, in Formula One, it's the virtual safety cars one, and IndyCar it's the the flaps to keep the cars that pop up when they go backwards on the track. Mm -hmm. um, there is. Um, 
a complete system to keep the cars on the tracks where you got um, the cars throw the flags, not the not the the, the corner workers. That's this. So where you don't have any secondary accidents where the cars fly up on the one above it because they didn't break check in time or whatever. But there's a lot of things like that. Um, and then there's uh, there's a Hans device, yes, which is a head and neck restraint system we have a franz device hans franz. and franz you know, that's the comedy part of it but it actually does it's a fracture reduction and neck stabilization system that we have that we're working on developing wow. we also have some other stuff development as far as the the brain monitoring stuff you can do at home on an app to see where your brain's at your brain status at any time you want to look at it yeah. um but the wellness racing would be the patent part of it what got you into into just racing period? Because I, I mean, we're obviously Facebook friends, and and I and I see uh, the posts from the accidents uh, from the past all the time. So what was it? What was about racing that I just I've just always been a fan of racing. You know, since I was a kid, it's always was always the five hundred. You know, I always always loved that race. Who but are your drivers? Who back then? Yeah. Well, Scott Brayton was one of my favorite ones, and that's his helmet he, yeah. he wore that helmet when he won the pole in 95 he died in 96 right. wow. so um wow. it's it's just like senna over in formula one there's just i don't know what it is but the things that fascinated me was probably when they crashed why did they crash what happened what injuries were there what could be done to prevent it i mean i was looking at accident footage at a very young age frame by frame by frame trying to figure it out so i know every crash I know how they died. I know how they got hurt. Whatever. I know it all. Yeah. That's just a sick. Uh... No, and I, I get that because when I'm, I'm a race fan as well. When I was younger, I kind of you know, just glorified the act because you're a kid and, yeah. and the accidents happen and you think you're neat. But yeah. as I've, I've grown older, I've uh, not to the uh, uh, the depth that you were looking into. It, yeah. But I, I have the same thing. You know what caused it? We, yep. And and I'm fascinated by the safety measures and how they've grown. Yep. Um, throughout the years and you think about someone like scott brayton who was was it turn one or two yeah uh, turn one and two blew a tire yeah Yeah. speedway and then it was just you know and then and then that was it that was a wrap yep and then and then dan weldon's accident a few years ago and i had an opportunity to meet him a few times it was um the first time i met him was um the summer after uh he had flipped his car in indy and he was doing a, um, a signing at the um, one of the Indianapolis Indians games. And yeah. I, and, I, and I walked up to him, and there was really no one there chatting with him. I'm like, that's Dan Weldon. Yeah. So, and, he had, and he had one of his cars. I, it might have been the Jim Beam car at the time sitting next to him. And I'm like, hey, Dan, it's real cool to see your car on all four wheels at the time. And he called me a smart ass. Yeah. Well, he was right. And, and yes. And then he uh, – and, and, and we sparked up a conversation, and, and I was a fan ever since. Yeah. And um, – and it's just, I, I think it's fascinating that, that you're in that and you're, and you're helping yeah. these safety measures. Yeah, you don't want to make racing so vanilla that's not fun to watch. I mean, right. a lot of people go for the crashes. The first guy's going to crash regardless, you right. know, but he's going to set the stage for everything behind it. You know what I mean? Because if, like I said, if, if the car's through the flags and talk to the, you know, central control, it was all connected. Um, Dan would not have got in front of the car in front of him because everyone from uh-huh. behind the crash car was... Is, brake checked or checked going the same speed you can't go faster than the guy in front of you right so the cars talk to each other the cars talk to the central control all this other stuff so that would not have happened unfortunately so but yeah like i said you don't want to make racing so vanilla that you know grandma can jump in the car and win the pole you know what i mean right not worried about crashing but what obstacles have you had because you've got so many hats and uh, you wear so many hats 
what obstacles or challenges do you face not just with brain force and wellness racing and, and your marketing i mean is, is there any what's your biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome just to get to where you're at um just uh, as soon as we started this up you know julie and i did we um there were people that want to throw money at us you know mm -hmm. millions of dollars so um we had a deal in miami that was supposed to be a done deal to get this going i mean it'll all it always takes money to right. get going you know so we flew down there and we figured out as soon as shortly after we got there that this was not going to work you know mm -hmm. there's, there's no deal so the biggest challenge that we had was eating like dollar egg mcmuffins every day for two years to make sure we can just bootstrap this and get it going right. but now we have such a good team on our side as far as all this other stuff goes um i guess that would be the biggest obstacle um we always have a plan A through Z on everything and everything we're doing. We know what works. We know what doesn't work. Um, we know what rabbit hole to go down and what one's not to. So that was probably the biggest challenge, but there's nothing standing in our way now. Um, now that we're at this position, which we want to hard launch what we're doing in May mm -hmm. because we want to expand. So what we want to do, our goal is to have affiliate offices like this. We want to follow IndyCar, right? Because we want to have a rig in there doing peak performance for the IndyCar drivers. Like Julie and I went to the infield care center at the uh, the track, right? And we eyeball tracked all the drivers. Mm -hmm. So we want to be in that space where we do peak performance. So if we follow IndyCar and all their 15 locations where they're going to race, we are embedded with a company that's gonna that has a database of like 45,000 doctors. We said we want to sell our program, and it's not a franchise, it's a uh, licensing thing, um, to five doctors per IndyCar location, uh -huh. right? So they said, okay, we can do that. So after May, they plan on, on selling five of these. So we have affiliate offices across the country where IndyCar races, which is 75 offices, because we want to help those kids there, right? Sure, yeah. So yeah. if we, in our plan was to have a... Um, at every race location, the rig will be there for the drivers, like I said. But the week or two before the race, we'll be in the communities talking to first responders, talking about opioid crisis, talking about everything, right? So they would actually um, um, re be referred to the doctors that we have out there, right? So, and if we give them a complimentary brain map, check your kid, check your parent, check your whatever, um, go to our doctors. Once they go to those doctors, it pings us and lets us know that there was a a, uh, a patient or a client that went into that office, and we send them. I don't have it here. We send them a uh, a baseball hat. Oh. So inside the baseball hat is the sensors, so they can actually monitor their brain. We upload we upload their own brain map into their hat, so they can just look at their phone and they can monitor if they the brain status if they get a concussion. Once you get a baseline, it's so easy to, 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 if you get a baseline, either the eye metrics, the brain metrics, whatever, and then you have a shift from that, from a concussion, you can always train their back brain back to their baseline, which in that space between baseline and where you are now, if that space is a concussion, you can scrub that back by taking them to their baseline or back farther beyond that. You know what I mean? So, so they're all going to get baseball hats, these ones that come in there. Now, who, who... You know, um, it'll be a monitoring device. It'll tell you what signatures are there. You know, the depression's there. It's going to be, It's that's all going to be done in six months. That took a long time to get there. But 
So what we also want to do in these communities where the race car is, is we want to have like, uh, like a brain force invitational golf classic tournament of mm-hmm. top notch tournament and all these, all these places invite. And it's an invitational because we're going to invite doctors out there. Right. We're going to talk about what we're doing. We're going to talk about, well, maybe the medicine is helping somewhat, but here's an alternative. So all these doctors that you invite out there now have a place to refer their clients mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. get help. Right. You know, so that's our massive expansion plan. Is that um, there's more kids and more brains and more people suffering in, in fissures. Let's get out there as far as we can go. So, and then again, if we have the exposure, the eyeballs on like an indie car to help market or brand expose us, right, of course, that's fine. Yeah. So. That's the market we're headed at, um, and that's a lot of expansion that we got going on. Yeah, and then that's, and especially with head trauma, and then that's really cool that what, what you're doing with that. And when you say you, you scrub back to kind of their baseline, I mean, how, how does that work with somebody? For example, like Dale Earnhardt Jr. was recently uh-huh. retired because of you know multiple head injuries. When you, when you start getting into um, head trauma of multiple times are you still able to kind of scrub back to that baseline or well i mean again like like i said in the beginning of this is that we know what a normal database is we can train them all the way back to there if you want to but if they're above normal you know you can still a train them back to where they were and increase their uh, frequency so they are you know running a top notch and and i i've had people come to us and say what's the difference between what you do and what the medical profession does for concussions and i said well that's that's easy i mean it's if you go in your garage and you hit your fuse box with a sledgehammer, the lights flicker on the inside, right? Mm. MDs are going to run in the front door trying to change the light bulbs, <laughs> hoping that it changes the lights, but it doesn't right. work. So we just go into the fuse box and work on that. Okay. You know? And like another analogy, how I explain how concussions change people, they say concussions go away, they don't. Okay, I'll just say that. They make you different, right? Whether your memories get slower or whether whatever it is. I mean, you're not the same as you were before a concussion, but they say it goes away. Um so if, you know, I tell people it's like the Golden Gate Bridge. you got traffic going both ways fast, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's an earthquake. The bridge collapses. That's your concussion. All that fast traffic has got to find a side road to get around. And it puts potholes in the roads. It makes the roads really bad, like in Michigan. Or, you know right. what I mean? So you got issues. But we just rebuild the bridge and put the traffic back on it. Um, and, again, with technology today, you can pinpoint it. You can see all of it. You can see it, see it all happening. So, um, that yeah, that is the, yeah, that's, that's the big thing. But, I mean, the, the, the concussion protocols now, what the regular, I guess, route is, is do an impact test, do a, which is the test you do on a computer. You can sandbag the hell out of that all you want because you want to get back in the game. And I've talked to drivers that say that we act as dumb as we can get. So then if we get in a concussion, we have to go back in and take another one. We didn't. Remember what we said in the first place, so we'll probably do better. Wow. So, it, so that, that's a bunch of crap. But they, and, and the, the approach is let's do an MRI or CAT scan. That's a golden rule. Yeah. I, I think that's a great idea. But only if you have a, a skull fracture or a bleeder, that's the only most sensitive thing you can do. Because an MRI or CAT scan shows you slices of the brain, what it looks like. Your brain's electronic. With our technology and what we have here, we can actually see electronic slices of the brain. How does that look compared to a normal brain? Well, let me tell you. You know, we got 180 pages of reports that shows you what it looks like. So, yeah, this is the thing where you got to go. I mean, it's what I would do. Right. You know what I mean? Right. 
Wow. Well, that's, that's I don't even I don't even know how to respond. That's incredible. There, that's there's just, no, uh, no responses needed. No. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is the perfect transition. And then I'm going to talk about how I met you. What got you in the the comedy? What? I I did a I um a dare to myself to try. Uh, I I don't like talking in front of people that I don't know. Okay. So what? It's either Toastmasters or comedy, and I don't like toast. So <laughs> I said, let's let's try the comedy thing. But I did I did it at Crackers. Um, mm-hmm. They give you three minutes. Um, I didn't tell anyone I was going just in case I was bombing like Al Qaeda. I didn't right, want any right. anyone to make fun of me. Sure. And I mean, three. Well, what can you say in three minutes? I mean, it's like you're reading a suicide note. I mean, you just got to get the stuff out of there, you know. So that's what started it for me, and people laughed. So I said, okay, I'm going to keep doing this until they stop laughing. Because that's my getaway from all the stuff I do. That's mm-hmm. my getaway from life for six minutes at a time. You know? Yeah, just get on stage. Yeah, and, that's and, it. And let it go. Yeah. And and then I and then right around when I first started using in, in the comedy scene is when I uh, went out to Los Angeles to, to try my hand out there. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, is, is it something that you're still continuing uh, to do? Or are you, are well, you comedy? Any, yeah. A- any chance I get, I'll do it. But, I mean, it's not like... Um, it's it's not like a, this is that would be my goal or, or my my right. my career stuff, but I mean I do it just for fun, just to get away for stuff, you know. And I'm I'm dabbling in doing movies and stuff, so that's my getaway too. Yeah. You know? How do you how do you find the time? Well, let me let me ask you this. Let me re- rephrase this question because I see you um, and, and you're successful in all these different areas. What what habits or daily traits do you have? Um, coffee. Coffee. Just, just just keep pounding the coffee. I mean, my blood type's O mocha. I mean, I drink so much of it. I mean, it's just it just keeps me going. I mean, I have time to do things. I mean, I don't I don't think I don't have time. You know what right. I mean? It's just, but just my brain just keeps going. I mean, right. and, and and that's just how you're just a driven person. And yeah. But you're yeah. Man. Yeah. People have said that you know you got to talk to me ten times to figure out what the hell I'm saying. But but I do because I zigzag. You know I don't. Right. Uh, I got. I am most relaxed, most calm if I got ten things going in the fire once. If I got one thing, I'll go crazy. I, yeah, I just that, can't. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. You know, for someone like me, I'm just, you know, I've, I'm, I've got my full time job, this uh, being a, a husband, and a father, and this podcast, and I'm right. Yeah, yeah. The breaks. It's, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's just like hey, I just can't get enough. I mean, there's so much stuff to do while you're on on this planet. You know, what can yeah. you do to change or make it leave it a better place than when you were here? Yeah. So it's just go, go, go. You know. I mean, it drives Julie nuts. I mean, when I when oh, I when I'm I think sure, talk sure, like that, I'm sure it does. So let me. I mean, you're obviously ambitious. You're obviously very curious. So and you've got all these. I mean, what's next? Is there anything that you're eyeing that you haven't tried yet? And that's not necessarily a bucket list, but something that you're you're wanting to reach out and do. I or just, it could be a bucket list. I, I just want to uh, keep doing what we're doing here. I mean, if you have a your passion, which I've had my whole life, I never had to work a day in my life. You know, I mean, because yeah. I love what I do. Um, and I look forward to coming in here every day. But I mean, it's it's these this other stuff like the Franz device, and it's like the the hypothermic smart collar we got. That's another thing I won't go much into much detail. But it's for people like you, first responders, come up to see them in accident, you slap it on them, and you you know it's it's all about uh, the brain stuff. And another thing, since here we go, I'm going, I'm zigzagging. Yeah, no, Did you ahead. notice that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know those uh, socks they put on their head racers before they put their yeah. The, yeah. Well, yeah. one of our patents is that there's actually sensors in that, so we have their baseline, and if they crash, 
by the time the car stops spinning, their brain read is going in the infield care center right away before the car stops spinning. If there's so many G-force impact that hits it, right. it's monitoring the brain. And if there, if there is a point where the, a bleed is detected or something really bad is detected, they can push a button inside the infield care center and chill the helmet like a frosted beer mug. You said chill that. Like- chill the helmet. Yeah, just to slow down the, the metabolism, the okay. bleeding, and the swelling. And as he's going to the hospital, he's getting a live feed going to the trauma center on what his brain status that's is. That's incredible. Yeah, that, see, that's another thing we're doing. Yeah. But um, that is, I want to expand more on that. You know, I want I want to to get this uh, human computer interface stuff going. I want to get all this as much as I can get. Right. That's my bucket list. Well, that's that's an ambitious and noble bucket list. Yeah. And uh, and well, that, I'm just just amazed, <laughs> man. I'm just amazed because you know I've known you for you know all these years, but I never really had an opportunity yeah. to sit down and chat with you. Yeah. And in just this uh, you know brief amount of time, I'm just you you know you got me fired up just to get yeah. off my ass and get off your ass, man, and and, and to get after it and, and to do more. So, where can people find uh, Brainforce? I mean, you're on are they on Facebook on social media? Yeah, we're on, we're on Facebook, and we got uh, our website is brainforcecenters.com. I mean, you can find out there. Um, and I do have that. Well, I mean, if you're interested in racing um, safety, I have that blog. I don't know if you saw that. It's called, uh, what is it, wellnessracing.wordpress.com. It just has all the racing stuff on there. But other than that, it's just Facebook, and I don't know if we got a Twitter account. Um, well, get one. Yeah, I, know. Get, <laughs> I got to. Get, get one and get, and get Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I, we got to do I all think that. what you're doing is, is very important. So the more that you can get on social media and, and spread the word. Yeah, and, it, 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 is so, it is so key. I mean, it, back, just to jump around again. Um, we had a PTSD military guy who had, um, he couldn't sleep for more than one hour a night for nine years. That's it. Because he killed someone he got shot at in the chest and he saw his friend get blown up. So I said, man, you gotta, someone's got to put a stick in those spokes and stop that, you yeah. know, cause he just could not, he had like 30 jobs, just as many relationships, tried to kill himself twice, all this stuff adding up. So when I did his brain map, he wouldn't look at the brain map. I said, why aren't you looking at the brain map? He goes, because I don't want you to tell me what everyone else did. And I said, I don't know what they said. Just look at this brain map. I said, there's the problem, right? There's too much electrical electrical activity in the brain where you can just calm down. You can't. And I said, let's do this. So we did, I think it was after the third session. After the first session, he stood up and said, with a smile on his face, he looked totally different. He said, this is how he used to feel. I said placebo you know that's kind of weird first thing but he did look different i mean even the girls up front said he looked totally different so so anyway after the the third session he said now i'm sleeping eight hours a night and i'm sleeping good and to this day he still is he's not jumpy so we have now we have a uh the brain force pay it forward program where we give it all ptsd military they're free they get free everything wow so we're giving back yeah our thing is about give back you know so that was a very good case, and we see that's what keeps us going. You see life-changing events every day. Well, that, that must be obviously very rewarding. It for is you. totally. That's that's what. Yeah, that's where your passion is. Yeah. You know. Well, hey man, I uh, I really appreciate your time. I know. Are we done? Well, we're we're forty-five minutes in. Oh, I yeah, that's try fine. To, oh, that's try, fine. Try to keep it. I know it oh, goes yeah. quick. I know yeah, it goes that's quick. fine. Yeah. Uh, but I 
man, I, I know you're busy and, and we've been trying, we've been talking. I'm never too busy. <laughs> I don't get busy. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. I'll be glad to talk again. Awesome. Hey, listen, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the views or policies of any agency, organization, or employer. Please don't fire me. Thanks again for listening.